living for yourself is basically just speaking the language that you were born to speak. It's all it means. What are your strengths? What are your talents? What are your interests? What are your passions? Now lean into those as much as possible. Despite any pressures that you have from other people, despite anything that you think you need to do. Because when you are speaking the language that you were born to speak, you are communicating in the world in a way that it can understand you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Seek, Go, Create. This is Tim Winders, your host. Got a question for you. How often do we pause and consider if we're genuinely leading our own lives, much less our career? Today's guest challenges you to be the leader of your destiny, not somebody else's, your destiny in every facet of your life, work, personal development, and even how you define your own success, which is what we do here at Seek, Go, Create. We talk about redefining success. I'm incredibly excited to welcome Dr. Benjamin Ritter, the founder of Live for Yourself Consulting. Ben has over 11 years of rich experience, massive experience, in fact, guiding people who are part of big names like Amazon, Google, and Yelp. His focus, he helps you find alignment in your values and career so that you're not just clocking in hours, but living a life that truly resonates with who you are. I'm excited. Dr. Benjamin Ritter, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. I'm happy to be here, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. Let's get started. We bump into each other. We meet. I ask you what you do. I'm not giving your flowery bio or anything like that. I ask you what you do. What's your answer if I ask you that question? Hopefully this episode is posted. I asked them to put in some earbuds and listen to that amazing intro that you just did. So that's normally what I do. I say, hold on a second. You got 30 seconds? Listen to this because you can explain a lot better than I can. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll answer the question. Yeah, no, come on, answer. No, we're on a plane. Let's pretend yeah. that we're on a plane. Yeah. Or, I and average it. Joe says, "Hey, oh, you're a doctor. I've got this situation yeah. with my arm. Can you take a look at it? What do you do?" Usually, you start a dialogue. So I ask them a question. When was? How did you get your last job? And they'll respond, and we'll start it. Start a conversation, basically, to the point where we realize that they've been really reactive in their career instead of proactive. They haven't really taken accountability, haven't really felt the power to create a career that they truly can say that they love and that they've chosen. And so that's really how I share what I do with people when I meet them. Just telling them that you're a leadership and career coach or provide leadership coaching that puts your career first doesn't really resonate with a lot of people as much. Now, if you want me to hit the main points, I'll say in short, we work with individuals to, so that means we help you define your leadership story and approach. We then help you get clear on the work that you were meant to do not think you're supposed to do. That's basically career clarity. And then we help you take that information and grow it into a meaningful career, either in an organization and a job maybe that you're at now, because a lot of times people look out instead of in, when you really you can craft your job to be best fit for you before running and trying to create a new position or out on your own. A lot of the clients that I work with are executives. They have incredible skills. They have superpowers that a lot of people don't have, and they want to make some extra money. <laughs> they don't just want to be held held in shackles by their paycheck. And so basically also developing multiple income streams is something that all leaders, I think, that, that can do if they want to, if they want to be more proactive in their career. So when you interact with people, and it probably depends on the setting, I'm sure, but when you interact with people and you say something to the effect of that, especially use words like proactive versus reactive, in general, what type of responses do you get? 
Sometimes defensiveness, but most time openness. And usually, I think the majority of the time, a question, like, what do you mean? And so then I get the lovely lovely pathway forward to say, how do you get your last job? Did you apply for it on a job board? Or how do you get your last job? Did someone reach out to you and ask if, if maybe this was a good fit for you that you wanted? Did, did maybe a friend or did an old boss ask you to come on board? Is this really, do you feel like this is like the job that you personally created for yourself? And there's openness because honestly, we live in a world where our careers are not things that we are taught to craft and create. We wait for our promotion or we ask for it and we don't get it, we leave. We apply to only jobs that we see in a job board, not really reaching out to specific companies that really think that would be perfect a perfect fit for us. Or we put our careers and our, the future of our careers in the hands of recruiters who have very different goals than we have. And throughout that whole process, we forget to build skills of really intentional and aligned networking with organizations and with people that we want to surround ourselves with because they align with our values and what we truly care about. And I'm not saying that you're going to get a job where you never feel like it's work, because even in my own career that I've created for myself, there are arduous days. There are days where I need to go recharge and refill away from work. But when I do work, it's really easy for me to see the connection to who I am as an individual and what I want to create in the world. So one of the things that fascinates me about what I get to do here by asking questions is I get to talk to a lot of people that discuss things like clarity, be proactive, take control and things like that. And so the question, and I don't think this is cynical. If it is, you can say that it is. I know in my career that there's been a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs, and I'm, I'm one that's wired to coach and personal development and things like that are always at the forefront. But the question that I have related to that is, Benjamin, how, what has your career been like? Because my guess is that if we go back to the playground in elementary school, you may or may not, I'll let you answer it. You may or may not have had this in mind for what you wanted to do. So this is a good opportunity. Let's go a little, let's go over a little bit of your journey and maybe what you've done to define what success is for you over the years. Let's hit some of the high points, like where'd you grow up and, and what did that look like with your family and parents and all that? I really appreciate the question. And there are some coaches, there's some business owners who are out there that are just, they do what they do because they saw it as a business opportunity, way to make some money. And they're like, great, I can make some money and go back. I can enjoy it enough and go back to my family or my friends, whatever I want to do personally. Then there's some coaches that coach people that were themselves and that struggled with problems that they had when they were younger. And hopefully they go and they become experts in it instead of just say, this is my personal experience, but they go study, they go learn, they grow, they solve their own problems and they go, I want to make this change in the world. And I am in that second bucket and I see you nodding. So there's a bunch of different parts of my story that resonate with where I am today. There's not just one moment. And I think that's what, make, what makes it so strong. So first off, I think like understanding what worked is something that we learn throughout our lives and as we grow and through the people that work around us and what are the jobs that our friends get. And when I was younger, I was taught that work was important. I wanted to work because I wanted my own money. I did not come from a lot of that at all. And so when I what I would earn, I would save, but also get to improve my life a little bit. And so I started working at a young age. I started working flipping burgers and cleaning tables. And I still remember when they first let me use the meat cutter, which was not 
because I worked at this little fast food, little like local fast food restaurant, and I ended up cutting my hand and having having to go to the hospital. It was it was an, I got extra responsibility and did not use it very properly, but it's just the types of jobs that I had. I started a local dog walking business. I was a camp counselor, a variety of things. Um, but I learned that work was something you did. It wasn't something you argued about or complained about. It was a benefit. It was something. It was a way for you to earn money and make connections and try to get out of the house and enjoy life a bit. And it was part of who you were. I also learned, though, that it was not behind a desk. I had a dad who was an entrepreneur. He was a real estate agent, came here from overseas. And he made money by driving through alleys, picking up toasters and fixing them and selling them to whoever would buy them. Same thing for cars, refrigerators. And then eventually that turned into homes. So I'd go with him and help repair some drywall or fix the toilet or the sewage clog, fix the sewage clog, whatever it would be, I'd be there with him. On the other hand, I had a mom who was with a, a company. She was in education. She was there for 25, 30 years, or a long time. So she had the stable going to work, going to an office type of role, but she was engaging with people, having conversations, guiding students. And so there was this blend of there, you don't have to be behind a desk. You can be autonomous. You work hard to the point where you forget to eat sometimes and you help people. So you fix things for them or you help them grow and develop as individuals. So that was what I was dealing with as a kid when it came to what is work. And I think that really empowered me to have this spark of being an entrepreneur and wanting to help people. But I never really thought that that was going to be something that I'd have to deal with because as a kid, I decided that I wanted to be a professional athlete. And so I know I gave you all this muck about what work was to me, but then I, I became passionate about just playing a sport. And for some reason, I learned that there was this advice find your purpose and find your passion. You're supposed to pick it and then you were supposed to dive into it and that was all you were supposed to do. No one gave me an instruction manual. And be like, when you hear the words find your purpose, this is what it means. This is the step you're supposed to follow. Tim, did you ever get one of those? I I did, but I want to pause one second. What was your wow. sport? What was the sport that okay. you played? Soccer. You had to be good at it. You had to be good at it at least. Yeah, it was soccer. So I ended up, I was my dad used to say, do you want to be the tail of the lion or the head of the fox? That's where I was. I was not the best, but I was the best kind of on the on the second team. I was good enough to be on the first team, but best on the second team. So there's this weird balance of where I would invest my time, where I would train. And eventually that led me to going to college and I played soccer in college. And I was, again, the head of the fox, tail of the lion there. And I wanted to improve my situation. And so I tried changing schools, getting on another team, et cetera. Eventually, though, I had to deal with the fact that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. I did a lot of things to try to be it. I got hip surgery to fix an injury. I went to London for six months, played on a bunch of second division club teams, whatever it was, whatever it is. I did, all I did was watch soccer on TV. It's what led me to actually be passionate about nutrition and fitness because I thought, well, if I can only get so good at this sport, I could get healthier and I can get faster and I can get stronger than everybody else actually led to my, that actually led to my interests in nutrition and public health and led to a lot of my first career. But during that time, when I lost soccer, I lost my identity. And I think this is really important. Whenever you pick something for the first time, like your first love or your first job, or whatever it is that you dedicate part of yourself to and you lose it, you need to grow something new because that part of you is gone. There's a hole in you. And I dedicated everything I had to that sport. And so when I lost it, I lost everything that I knew and how I defined every part of who I was. And that led me to say, okay, am I going to stay here or am I going to fill this hole? And 
my mentality around work, my mentality around getting good at soccer, everything that I was to that point, at least the dedication that I had to developing as an individual and investing in myself, then became like that focus became me that instead of a thing or instead of work, or instead of a sport or a person, it became me. And that led me to dive into the realm of personal development, confidence, all those lovely topics that I now work with my clients on from a personal perspective that also intertwines with our professional career. And so that's where actually I started learning a lot of the philosophies and theories that I know now. And I didn't think I was going to go into this space, by the way. Four or five years past, I'm a happy individual. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for my life. But it wasn't coaching. And I'll, I'll pause for a second because we're still getting into my story when it's maybe a little bit longer than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it's not. There's a couple of things. And I'm, I, I enjoy these stories. This is really... I, I love getting into technique and what people need to do. And we'll do that shortly. We'll give people towards, as we move forward here, some things, some tangible things that they can grab hold of. But see, I love story because that's where we learn. I, I think what drives people, what motivates people, we learn about that word you brought up, identity. What's fascinating to me is how you didn't connect. Both my parents were educators. This kind of, I'll connect some dots here. Both my parents were educators. And not really entrepreneurial necessarily, but I was always doing business stuff. I was always cutting grass and going out and trying to figure out how to make money and things like that. But as I got into the business world, I gravitated back towards teaching people how to do certain things, teaching, coaching, teaching, coaching. With your mother as an educator, I'm surprised that you didn't start latching up. I mean, were you one that wanted to tell other people about? obviously nutrition and all, or soccer or anything else. Did you ever find that you were trying to encourage, uplift, teach other people along the way? Did you have clues that maybe you were a coach? It's funny you say that because I mentioned that I had to transfer schools to try to get on a better team. And at the same time, though, they canceled my major in college. They canceled my major in nutrition. And so I use that as a reason to say, coach, I'm not leaving you and the team. I'm trying to get to this other program because I canceled my major. That's how I parted ways with the, with uh, that program. Now, I went to that other school and the coach there, I didn't, didn't perform as well as I should have. It was had this hip issue and the promises that were made, the scholarships that were going to be provided ended up getting taken away. And it was a, a pretty serious, significant issue because I moved across the United States to be part of this team, this program, and also my potential future career in nutrition and soccer. And so I ended up leaving and coming back to that team back in Chicago and going to the coach and say, and we actually got a new coach at the time. It was a transfer. Uh, and I went to him and said, hey, I'm back. I'd love to be you know, back on the team. And he's, look, you left us. I can't let you back on. You left us. But what I will do, because people look up to you and they respect you and you work harder than everybody else, you can practice with us because I want you to motivate, engage, and coach the people that are here. And of course, I said, no, I could not deal with that. I still had my interests and my passions for what I was trying to pursue in the sport itself. But that I think was a big sign of, okay, Ben, you might have a future here because you're, you know how to inspire people, you know how to guide people and you're a role model for them per se as well. And then there were other moments too, just in my own development where I leaned into teaching and education and growth outside of everything else. So on the flip side, this is weird for me. 
I wanted to be a teacher and a coach coming along, but then I found out how much money my parents made as teachers. And that was something that inspired me to go out and start doing business stuff. And then, but everything I did in business, I kept gravitating more back towards teaching, educating, coaching, teaching, educating, coaching. I do want to ask, because I do think that part of life is identifying what we want to do and what we don't want to do. That's part of that clarity you talked about earlier. And I think sometimes life does it for us. You mentioned going back to a situation where you had probably left it. And I don't know how brash or confident or arrogant you may have been as an athlete or anything like that, but how humbling was it to go back to a situation that you had left? Because often we don't like to go back or backwards. What was that like for you? I'm asked often if I could go back and tell my younger self one thing, what would it be? And I, every, every single time, no holds bar, believe in yourself, no other one, no other opinion, no one's opinion of you matters other than your own. And if I just had confidence as a kid, especially in athletics, like when I went out there and played without anyone around me, just me, and didn't get down on myself, didn't have this negative loop of you're not good enough, you suck, et cetera, I was a star. Like I was untouchable. There was even one game where I was put in and it was in my college career. And I, for some reason, was in that state. And the next day, the coach started me again. And he's like, I saw you, you're a different player. And there was just something in my mind that was holding me back. I ended up finding this book called Mind Gym. And I read it like it was my Bible. I read it over and over and over again because I couldn't get out of my own head. I even went to a coach once after practice. This is when I started learning that confidence can hold you back because I wish they would, would teach us this thing. And after practice, he was asking everyone what, what was wrong? Why is everyone lagging behind? What's wrong? And I said to him, I said in front of everyone, first time, this is when I started learning about this. I said, coach, I don't know what's up, but I can't get out of my own head. My head's getting in the way. And he looks at me. He goes, I'm not your effing therapist. And some people can hear that and say the coach didn't do what he was supposed to do. And I said, the coach taught me that I had to handle my own stuff. And, and so going back, I, I didn't believe in myself either way. And that was actually one of my biggest problems. But that was part of the journey, though. I think you were moving forward. See, I, I've got these odd theories, and this is going to help us as we move forward and talk about people's careers and leaders. I've got a few theories and they're conflicting at times. Benjamin, I have this thought that we can control and be proactive in almost everything. I really do. I think that we can be focused and clear and come up with things. But yet, I also think that part of life is experiencing things and learning what we do or don't want to do. So I think there's this balance there. And I don't know what the right balance is. I think we just have to go on our own journey. But what are your thoughts on that, especially leading into how we're going to talk about be proactive in your career? So I'm setting you up a little bit, but how much of it is just getting to a place where I know for a fact, I will never, I joke about the Scarlett O'Hara, as God is my witness, I will never be hungry again. I'm never going to work corporate again. I am not corporate. I worked corporate for nine years. 
I could guarantee you I will not work corporate again because of the experiences I had and all that I went through. So how, what's the balance there of just going through stuff and learning versus coming up with a plan and being 100% proactive? So I still think that I was in this state of commitment that shouldn't have been commitment. I was still dedicated to something that wasn't something I, I really knew. I didn't really know what I wanted. So I can say that whole dedication to that specific goal was potentially misled. And that's something that I learned over time. I, I personally believe that saying I never will do something can be extremely limiting because I, I just had a, a good friend out here, 64 years old, go back to corporate after working for himself since he was 50. And one of his consulting clients made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. And it was a path that he wanted to try and explore. I think we do learn a lot of things about ourselves that are solid and they stay solid until some major maybe event decides to add, add some cracks or open a door that you didn't know existed. Now we have our values and we have the things that we say that we stand for and we care about. And that's if we can show up in, in respect of our values, then how we show up is more so what we find enjoyable at that point in time. And so, for example, right now, I'm showing up in my values of health and helping people alter their mindsets and be more empowered with their careers through this podcast. Now, tomorrow I may wake up and say, I really don't like podcasts. Ben, how are you going to share your voice and your message? Okay, maybe I'll go do events. Maybe I'll go write a newsletter. Maybe I'll hand out notes on a street corner. Maybe I'll feel fulfilled by working just with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, whatever that is. And so the goals can always change. But in that specific situation, my dedication and commitment to the sport, I think, was something that I needed to step back from and realize, is this really what you want to do? Instead of that one day when you were in class and the teacher was going around the room and asking everyone what they wanted to do when they grew up, what the career they wanted, and you raised your hand and decided to share with the entire class that you were going to be a professional athlete, you were using that moment in time to declare what you were going to do for the rest of your professional life, I think I needed to go back and second guess that. Yeah, and, and thanks to Touche for calling me out on the saying I'll never go work corporate because I I've be careful saying always and never. But let's fast forward a little bit. So we get beyond the athletic situation and your college and you move into nutrition, but that's not where you ended up landing. That probably had some things to do, as I read through your story, had some things to do with how you arrived at where you are now. Go through a little bit more of the story so we can start unpacking what you're uh, doing for people now. Yeah, and by the way, I need to comment. I think it's important. When we say always and never, we can, be on, we can honor that. We can respect that. We can commit to that. But what's really good about those statements is they lend themselves to exploration and curiosity. What, was, what were my experiences that led me to this belief? And I'm okay with that. I accept that. That's part of your, your story. So if you have a never or always in your life, that's great because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that you probably want to share on a podcast one day, or at least with your kids or with your family or with your friends or at a dinner party. It's something that defines who you are. And those are really important moments. Yeah. And we'll get to values in just a moment. I'm going to ask about those because I think they do play into our values. Yes. 
but keep going. So okay. you go through the college experience and sounds like you're heading into a nutrition type field. Yeah, I'll try to squash this one a little bit shorter. So basically they canceled my nutrition major. So I had to figure out what I was going to do in my professional life. I ended up choosing a business degree and thinking maybe I'd go to med school because I did care about health and people. And through my learning of personal development, I became very passionate about um, helping others. And I realized that changing people's beliefs would be very hard and that why not just change the laws that force them or that, that dictate those beliefs. And so I moved away from any sort of psychology or medical profession. I also thought the ROI on that was too low and started looking for opportunities in health that also integrated with business to make a living. Ended up falling into a marketing associate position for a chiropractic office and really disliked their business practices. My job was to go hold corporate events to do some health screenings and basically convince people to book appointments in our office. Basically, it was like a business development slash health position. And it was, even though it wasn't in a cubicle, I was actually at events. It was terrible. I wish they taught you when you were in business school what a marketing injury could lead to in terms of a profession afterwards, or at least coach you to get a job that's more than selling knives door to door. And so that led, I led me actually to start looking for other opportunities. And I went and did some networking and ended up being able to convince a department at a university to hire me as a graduate assistant and that would pay for my grad school. So I ended up actually going back and getting my MBA in entrepreneur, entrepreneurial management and my MPH in health policy administration. And two uh, big things happened right before then. One, I actually was creating a company. So that entrepreneurial spirit sparked in me that said, I hate all these opportunities that I see for a profession. Why not just start something myself? And I was building a a food brand that integrated health that made health easier. It was called Simplify Health with the parent company. And there was a food product that I basically got to the point of launch and decided instead to go to school, which is a decision that I'm happy with, but a decision I would probably guide people to do otherwise because the cost was really low. So my choice for health policy was because I realized that I really did want to influence health. And the easiest way to do that was to change our policy towards health. And there were so many other indicators that like reasons why I chose that. My mom got cancer and I realized the corruption in the pharmaceutical industry. My, there was some issues in food policy that I noticed around sugar consumption and our FDA and our, and the food pyramid and such. And so I be, this, all this interest in personal development, nutrition, physical fitness and health led me to really see this path in front of me that was related to helping others improve their own health is really attractive and something I was passionate about. You could see this value of health become pretty solidified through these experiences. So fast forward, and I actually ended up randomly meeting someone who asked me to come full time as a coach. And this is like a big divot in the story, but it was the first time ever that coaching became a profession for me because someone noticed that I knew how to handle myself in social situations and the level of confidence that I would bring and the way that I would teach people about how to do it themselves. So I worked for this individual for a year on the side and didn't also like his business practices and ended up branching off. But then realizing though that I still wanted to help the world, I realized that there were some issues in people overall, specifically men, and I wanted to get that information out there in a way that was helpful to them. So I wrote a book and then realized though that no one would buy my book because I was a nobody, I had no brand. And so I said, how do I sell more copies of my book? And I said, I better start a company and become a known individual. And so that for five years, I built a coaching business with a business partner. 
and really learned how to build service-based businesses because of that, that, that experience, literally just trying to sell copies of my book. <laughs> right. Uh, now okay. I'm out of, yeah, pause. There's a contrast here that I want to drill down on because it, it sounds like there was a transition at one point from you wanting to impact and change the world at a high level, we'll call it governmental policy, corporate structure level to all of a sudden now you're shifting to the individual. And, and I want to tell you, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I can almost guarantee you that thought processes you have about the health industry and things like that. I could, I, I don't want to go down that path, but I am pretty confident we're on the same page. My wife and I were just having a conversation this morning about some articles that have come out about the use of oils and some different things and the way they're in, in input into our foods and all that. And I'm no expert in that. I just know that I'm mindful of all the things going on. I'm fortunate that my wife uh, studies a lot of that more than I do. And so she says, eat this and don't eat this. But tell me a little bit more about the transition from changing things at the policy level, which I'm, I, I could be a little cynical about what's going on in our governmental levels, our three-letter agencies, and the big corporations. And I'm a free enterprise guy, by the way. I, I want to state that clearly. But yet in the pharmaceutical industry and things like that, it's just very difficult for me to see how some of that can change. To all of a sudden, you are working with individuals, changing them one at a time. Maybe a book changes more than that, but Tell me a little bit about that, Ben, because that's a bit of a contrast there to me. So I skipped over some moments that I think are really important. Uh -huh. And these are also what led me to this concept of never having work be more than who you are, never creating anything that is more than who you are. And, at, and also just really taking more control of your career path and because so many of the things that I thought I wanted to do ended up getting pretty crushed. And out of graduate school, I actually was working for the Illinois Department of Public Health. I was in policy. And I worked for them for about half a year. They lost federal funding in about 2010. So a lot of the jobs that were there got cut. And then I also got four other job offers in health policy that also got cut. So I would get a contract, sign on dotted line, CDC, also the like FQHC. So these are like medical centers. And so for two and a half years, I explored health policy and was pretty disappointed with it overall. And that was a very difficult time. I almost lost my purpose and my values, or my values, not my purpose, towards what I was trying to work towards because of what I could not achieve in my career. I also did not know what I know now. And at the same time, it also was an incredible time in my life because I took every job I could find. I was the king of gig positions. I was laying on tables, getting ultrasounded. I was handing out granola bars on street corners. I it led me to my career in hospitality. So I worked 10 years part-time slash full-time because I was still working in as a bartender, but I did everything. I was security. I was a bar back. You could imagine, but it taught me a lot about people and also helped me grow as an individual because it puts you in so many different social situations. 
my parents actually met at waiting tables, which is funny that I ended up in that space. And then I networked from across the bar, actually. And by the way, the 10 years of hospitality was because I also still worked part-time when I worked full-time. So it was only like a two and a half year window. Uh, but then I was working across the bar and networked with an ICU manager. So it's, it's an intensive care unit in a acute care hospital. And I ended up getting the person I was seeing at the time a job there. She was an RN. And then interviewing for a group systems analyst position. So it was working in performance improvement, basically understanding data, understanding care practices, becoming an expert in what the best type of care is, and then, and then implementing that within the hospital itself. I ended up actually not getting hired because the VP at the time find out, found out I was in hospitality and bartending, didn't want to hire a bartender. So a year passes, that person ends up going to another position to train to become the CEO, and then they bring me back under the radar and hire me in. And that's actually how I get into healthcare. So that I had a lot of crushing moments in that time, but it ended up still leading me into the healthcare system, which I did really enjoy for the first couple of years. It taught me, it just really helped my, it fed my values of, of care and benevolence and health. And then I got to train people actually on best care practices and it taught me to facilitate and present all those lovely things. But then I got promoted into the executive team, which ended up tearing away a lot of the things that I cared about. I was more mostly focusing on financial reports and business development and corporate report outs. And at the same time, I had leadership that was terrible, like sitting there and looking at every sentence and changing a word, staying there till eight or nine o'clock at night where I'd say, hey, everyone, I have to leave. And I would just leave. And it taught me how to create boundaries and how, what signs of a negative work environment were and negative leadership. And then guess what? I get selected for 16 months of leadership training, get paired up with my own executive coach, director of people. He wasn't called an executive coach. And I learned that, oh, wow, this is the overlap of every single thing that I've cared about in my career. And it's right in front of me. And how do I make this happen for myself? And the cool thing that about that is that there was this meandering journey along the way that puts you in that place so that now you could start really getting a vision or a glimpse of that thing that is probably going to define what you do. And I, I think a lot of people's journeys are that way. So, hey there, this is your host, Tim Winders, and I want to pause this interview for a minute and ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Maybe it's in your business, maybe it's in your leadership style, or maybe you just can't put your finger on it. Trust me, I've been there. I'm a faith-driven executive coach, and I can help you get unstuck. How? Well, I bring to the table not just over 30 years of experience, but also a unique blend of skills like strategic thinking, relationship building, and a dash of marketing wizardry. And if you are here, you know I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. Don't believe I can help you grow? Just ask my clients that tripled their annual gross revenues in two years after coaching with me, or the clients that increased revenue 67% in just a year. So if you're ready to take the next step in your leadership journey, book a free discovery call with me at timwinders.com forward slash coaching. That's timwinders.com forward slash coaching, T-I-M-W-I-N. D-E-R-S dot com forward slash coaching. Take a look at that page, scroll to the bottom, and you could book a time right on my calendar. Let's unlock your potential together. I look forward to speaking with you. Now, let's get back to Seek Go Create. 
Was it shortly after that that you started to live for yourself or bridge that gap real quickly? Because I want to migrate and move into what people can do that are going through these journeys on their own also and how we can give them some value so that it'll help them some tools. So right when I got promoted into this position and I got selected for this leadership program, I was on my way out. I kept looking for different opportunities. I was really angry at my job. I was the victim of my employer. I blamed my situation for where I was, and it it was not a very good time again. It was another point in my career where I did not feel like I had control, that I felt like I was not making choices. And then this just light bulb went off when I realized that this position existed and that I could change where I was and what I was doing and that I was playing a victim. And everything I learned about how to develop as a human being in my personal life, that I was a personal coach at the time, I could do for my professional life. And the fact that I wasn't and the fact that they weren't teaching this was a bigger issue to me than the personal coaching side of things. And so the first thing I did was when I realized what I wanted to do and realized it existed within my corporate site of 13 different hospitals, I went to the VP and I said, Hey, you said I wasn't very disengaged. I know how to become engaged. I want to get involved in these projects. And I started crafting my position to be in alignment with talent development and organizational development work. Sadly, this is another fun little moment. We got acquired for the second time and they fired everyone I was working with and everything I was working on got got paused and stopped, stopped actually. In this uh, position, by the way, I went through two different CEOs, four different direct managers, two different acquisitions. It was a very ambiguous time. It's a theme throughout my entire career, even after that. And so I said, I want to do this. How do I do it? And so I started looking for jobs. No one would hire me with my background at the time. I also didn't know how to rebrand myself like I do now for people, which is another, again, why I do what I do. So I went back and said, how do I become credible? Let's go get my doctorate. And after I get my doctorate, during the time I'm getting my doctorate, I can probably figure out where I want to play in the space. I know how to build a business. I built a business before this. I wrote a book before this. I built a brand. I was writing for Ask Men. I was a kid getting 100,000 viewers on, on different videos, different partnerships that I had. I had some clients. I was speaking at events. I go, okay, well, I don't want to do that work anymore. So let's shut all that down. Then let's wait and see and evaluate and research and see where I want to go into this, in this space. So then about mid-2016, so about a year and a half into my doctoral program, about a year and a half left, I said, I, said, I want to create Live For Yourself Consulting. I actually created the acronym on the back of a napkin on a plane going to class one, one session because I'd fly every month to California for my doctoral classes. I was still working in healthcare. And then, but I said, I, I still don't know exactly how I want to operate or serve. And so then I kept researching, got published, got out of school with my doctorate in 2018. I wanted, had a couple of clients, had a little bit of work, but then really took off because I was able to then figure out well, what's my strategy, what's my platform, what's my voice, who do I want to serve, how do I want to serve it. But then by the way, while this is growing, for me to feel credible, I wanted to work internal. So then I also went and found positions as a learning and development director. I eventually got hired by a client to be the head of talent development for a life sciences manufacturer. And now I'm in partnerships with many different organizations working in the talent development space and then my one-on-one executive and leadership clients. And so it sounds like around 18 is when a lot of things really formed up after you got your doctorate. What was your doctorate in? What was the degree there? Organizational leadership. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That fits well with my, I'm an industrial and systems engineer. I like systems and organization stuff that fits well with that. There, I had two or three thoughts that came across my mind as you were 
talking about those things there, Ben. And I think, let's go down this first one that I, I think will maybe catch us up to where we are now. We are, I'm going to timestamp. I don't like to timestamp episodes. We, we're going to timestamp the recording of this in the fall of 2023. And 2018, just a couple years later, some things merged together that seemed to bring together a lot of things that were in your sphere. You had health, you had clarity in what people do and how they live and their work and their careers and leadership. All of those seem to come together and explode is the only word I could use, obviously, when in March of 2020, when COVID hit the United States borders. And so I don't want us to spend all of the rest of our time. We've got about 20 minutes or so, but I would love to know what happened with you, your business, because I know if you've got a health mindset, that time was very interesting. And I, I won't even say anything other than it was probably interesting. I know if you're helping people gain clarity in what they do with their lives, that time was interesting. So talk to me just a little bit about what was going on with you and what were you seeing with the world and the people that were in your sphere of influence at that time? From the ashes rise the phoenix. I don't know if you've heard that before, but whenever there's major disruption in the economy, you see this huge influx of entrepreneurs. And not only that, though, we saw a huge influx of people saying, I'm not doing what I love. And talk about a, a platform to stand on. And it was all over the world and people were listening. People were, people started believing at a rate that they did not believe before that they could do what they wanted to do. And if they didn't know what they wanted to do, they weren't going to do anything. That is probably one of the newest things is that. I don't like what I'm doing so much that I will deal with the fact that I'm not going to do anything for this point in time and I'm going to create space for it. And I can't, I don't know how that impacted me. I did start seeing a lot more sales calls. So it probably helped business. For me personally, outside of work, I moved. So I, I moved to Austin, Texas. Got out of Chicago because everything that I was doing that I thought I needed to do in person, I could do virtually, even though I took care of clients virtually anyways. But it really put a lot of emphasis on the virtual work environment. And so I, I said, I have no, no reason to be here anymore. All my other income streams that were in person, and I disappeared overnight. And so I said, let's just go. Let's get finally get out of here. I landed in a community of like-minded individuals in a city where I could say like professional personal development is something... It's probably on everyone's playlist on their podcasts. So that's something that's been really great to be around. At the same time, actually, as the first uh, professional position that I received internal, I became the learning and talent development director of an organization called YPO, which is basically a membership club for CEOs around the world. It's about 40,000 CEOs and executives. And so at that same time, March 2020, I'm, I have business, I have clients, I'm doing well, I'm growing my brand. I get reached out to by, by this company. I remember the phone call. I remember getting an unknown number on my phone and picking it up after leaving a business meeting and it being this company. And it was the first time that everyone ever tried to recruit me for the new industry that I started working in other than one-on-one -on -one clients. And so for me, that was a big pinnacle and a big change. And at the same time, because that came up, I said, what else is out here? What am I missing working on my own? I've, only experiences I have in talent and leadership development is working for myself and with individuals. 
what's going on? And so then I built partnerships with companies like Torch and Bravely and The Muse. And these are companies that offer career and executive coaching on an ad hoc basis. So that let me build community and see what tools people use and how coaching was actually being done. And honestly, just proved to me that I'm a pretty good coach, which was pretty great to see. And because you don't really have an opportunity to compare yourself with anyone when you're working for yourself. And, and so I'm not sure if that answered your question, but it was honestly a time of opportunity for me. And I think a time for opportunity for the world overall, even though there was some things that happened that were, they were terrible. But at the same time, I think we saw some phoenixes rise. There's a word you used earlier as we got started. You talked about the importance of clarity. And I think what happened with a number of people was, is that they gained clarity. Now, some of that came from a negative situation, obviously, but I think they learned some things they didn't want to do. They learned that maybe life was short. Maybe there was some fear involved with sometimes fears and okay, motivator, but it does sound like you were well positioned for that time. Let's start shifting just a little bit and let's move into some things that you can share with myself and people listening in that might be helpful and, and beneficial. One of the things that I noticed in reading your stuff is the importance of values. And Ben, I've been around a lot of people. I've seen this in myself and seen it with others. And I think that we have a, I don't think we have a values deficit. I think we have an awareness of our values deficit in culture and society. What are your thoughts about that? And talk to us about how important coming up with those values, or at least getting closer to what you think your values might be in this whole process of our career and the type of work we do. Honestly, my whole business, everything that I do in life is founded on this one moment that I had. I was sitting with my business partner for my first coaching practice, and we were in his apartment in Chicago, block away from the hospital. That's, it was a really convenient situation. And we were sitting there talking about relationships. And all of a sudden I go, you know what the issue is? What are you talking about? I said, the issue is our values. What do you, he's what? The reason why we have conflict in relationships and why they don't work out is because of value misalignment. And that statement, it, it evolved into a lot of things. I ended up lead, leading interfaith relationship workshops to help people explore their values and to understand why there was conflict and why there wasn't conflict and what your values meant to you. And then that is, okay, so this isn't exactly the, the modality that I want to explore values in. So what about helping people with their values in other areas of their life? That led to me doing my doctoral research on the relationship between job satisfaction and value congruence. And that led me then to founding one of the pillars of live as values. And right now, one of the number one exercises that I have with my clients when it comes to clarity, other than what your future vision is and what your goals are. We start with what are your values? And people do not know what their values are. And the assessments that are in the world give you a word, but they make you do nothing with it. And the biggest mistake that we have when we think we know our values, other than the fact that sometimes we choose anti-values, which are values that are not, not actually values in themselves, is that we don't define them for the different areas of our life and understand what it means to have that value in terms of an action and living like uh, everyday type of operation. Hmm. So one of the things that we hit pretty hard here, it's like a theme of the last 200 and something episodes. I didn't 
realize this early on, but we, I don't want to say we beat up on the word success, but I think we beat up on the definition that most people have of success. And, and the reason why is that I think most people copy or they duplicate or they don't think about it. And to me, what you just said, and I'll say this and then let you expand on it. What you just said is the foundation to then how we go about defining whatever air quotes here, success means you and I could have people come to us and want coaching and they could say, you know, I just, I want to make more money and we could probably help them do that. But I just, I get to the point where I don't want to do that anymore. I, I want to know what, what someone really defines success as. And it's important that, that they do their values. So link those two together, values and success in light of mm -hmm. what I just said and just share whatever you want to about it. I'm open to it. Yeah. I work with a lot of high achieving executives. Their whole life has been, how do I grow? How do I make more money? You go through this value exercise and they write success money. <laughs> like, no, those aren't values. Let's talk about this a little bit more. And it starts a really great conversation around what does it mean to be successful? And what does success mean to them? And what expectations do they have for success? And what are the different components of success? How do you break it down? Is success safety? Is success validation? Oh, Validation is not a value. Validation is a need. It's a belief that you have in terms to feel confident and worthy. Okay, so now we're getting to the heart of it. What is it that you feel is really important? And very often we just think success is our driver when it's not. You know, great, you have all the money in the world. What do you do now? What's important to you? And if we have things, if we have needs like status, we ask ourselves, why do we have that need? Where does it come from? And so we mistakenly label something as our value, which is really actually something that we've learned from society that we need to usually feel safe or confident and to believe that we're worthy. And so we can break that down even more to say, okay, so if you can actually get rid of that and, and let go of those limiting beliefs, because that's what they are. And what do you actually deem as important? What lights you up? What creates, what is something that you're passionate about? What is something that brings you joy and fulfillment? It's not the money. It's what the money can bring for you. And that then leads to us figuring out what are those key terms or phrases that you, that we could ascribe as being your value potentially. And then we can dive into those more and look at some memories where those have existed we can look at them even more and say, how does this come across in your personal, professional life or your relationships? And then we can define those specifically and then say, how are you living them now? Or where are you not living them? How would you rate these areas of your life? And then what actions can we take to live more true to your values? So I went a little bit further than the question, but I think it's important to at least tie some of the dots together to help people if they're looking to do this for themselves. No, that ties it together. And it's great because it leads into something I was going to ask is I think maybe this is a hurdle. I don't know. You can say what you've seen related to this. I see many people that go for what I call the superficial stuff, the you know, success. And listen, I'm not anti-money. I'm not anti-cars in the garage or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not against all that. 
But also when you go through life and you've had that and then lost it and then gained it again, you have a different perspective about it. And that's a little bit of our story. But Ben, the thing that's challenging to me as a coach, I run into this as a coach and just interacting with people. And I see it when I'm with people that are, I guess they're having difficulty digging a little bit more to get to what I'll call their root value system. I think some are at different levels. And so I'm going to ask you, what are some hurdles that people have to get to? I'm calling it root. If you've got a different word for it, that's fine. And what are some things, if someone's listening in and they're going, I don't even know if I've dug down and gotten to them. I don't know where I am with my value system. Just a few things. And I know it's probably deeper than just a few minute conversation, but help someone get a few steps farther than they are right now. If they're concerned that they've got some disconnects right there. That root question. It's true. People tend to ascribe importance to values that are more about success or achievement or maybe even what they think is true based on their upbringing or their current environment. And those can really hold you back. And part of under, and there's no right or wrong, by the way, if, if something serves you and you get value from it and you're happy, then great. I'm not here to tell you that it's wrong. It's not at all what I want to do. But if you come to me and tell me that you're unhappy and you're unfulfilled and you feel stuck and you can't feel that you can't be present and you can't have positive relationships and you don't feel like your work is right and you feel like you're underutilized and there's more you should be doing, but you don't know what, then great. We can start questioning your values. If you feel that way, then we should start questioning your values. And all that means is, are you showing up in a way that is actually meaningful to you? Simple question. And if you are dissatisfied, if you are unhappy, if you feel stuck, if your relationships are filled with conflict, I promise you that you're not. And so that the, the question then comes, great. So I don't care what you believe. I don't care. Take all, no matter how many limiting beliefs that you have, if you're tied to success and achievement and wealth or whatever it is. And because by the way, wealth is important after you become aligned to your values even too. This is also interestingly enough, my, and from my dissertation and my research, you found healthcare workers super high in value alignment when it comes to benevolence and care and all those types of things. But because their intrinsic values were fed, their extrinsic values became more important to them. And so they still needed higher levels of wealth and benefits and recognition, et cetera. And I see this in my own life. I show up every day. I love my work. But now I have other needs that I want to meet because I know that it's possible. And once you open the door to possibilities, you can put a level of awareness and importance to anything that you want as long as you still show up in a way that matters to you and it doesn't add negativity or pressure to your life. So that's a little bit of a sidebar. So to define your values, though, quick exercise, anyone can do this, and I hinted this already, is you want to explore memories where you're the happiest or dissatisfied. And in those moments when you were happiest in your life, you were probably forming things that you thought were really important to you. And in moments where you were really dissatisfied, you were probably forming things that were really not important to you or anti-important, the things that you strive away from, the things that your body goes, not safe, not good, shouldn't be here. And those memories can hint at the things that you want to hold true at your core. And so you explore those memories for themes. And then you also ask yourself the question after doing that exercise. So you've had these defining moments and you have these memories now. You ask yourself, what is most important about who I am? And then you just free write. Just go. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no words you have to use. And then after you're done with that, you do what's called almost like keyword coloring. So you look for the similar keywords that you have, you color them in, you notice the themes that are happening, you 
write out those themes. And eventually you have a bulk of information that is the, the thread of similarity between that work that you just did. And those threads of similarities now you can break down into keywords and short phrases. And when you get that information, those hint at what your values are. They're not prioritized at the moment and they're not defined. And so they're not aligned to the different components of your life, like relationships and personal and, and intimate and work. But that's at least a start of saying, okay, this, this bulk of stuff that I have, these, my values are here. And now you can start prioritizing them and defining them. Mm. So Ben, how many people, this is a, this might be an unanswerable question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I believe that some people can do that on their own, but many people need external help. Hence, we have two coaches talking on a conversation right here. Have you run across a lot of people, and maybe we know them, maybe they're some of the people we see in society and culture that have reached certain levels how easy it for, is it for someone to do that on their own versus how important is it to get somebody like you or a coach or somebody to help them along? Most of the people that hire me, all of the people that hire me can't do it on their own. So I have a very different you have a bias. research yeah. a bias. My, my sample size is very much niche. But I, I bet probably 98% of the people listening heard that very quick order of operations and finding your values and 98% of them aren't going to do it. Of the people that want to do it, like of the people that actually feel like this would be beneficial to them. And so we want to do things in our life, but not we don't have a life usually that's oriented towards making space for it. And so that's why coaches tend to be really important, not just for their expertise, not for their ability to peel back the, the layers, not for the fact that they create a space that includes no judgment and does not have your limiting beliefs and can challenge and question you and orient you in a way that you can't do yourself. But, and all that's important. But sometimes there are people, even like myself, uh, that are very self-driven and are able to learn things on their own. But are you willing to set aside the time and make this the most important part of your life right now as you do the work? And I, I think that is even more important than even just being with an expert. And it is few and far between that I see those types of individuals. Yeah, I would agree from my perspective too. It's like there's some people that just have this growth mindset. Some people lean towards the fixed and those people that are growth are going to be moving in a direction that is going to be helpful to what we're talking about here. The name live for yourself. I think, especially because we've got a lot of people of faith here that sometimes have this bigger perspective. I think sometimes people struggle with the self part. They, they really do think maybe, I don't want to say they're not worthy or something like that, Ben, but they might struggle with that live for yourself. Talk a little bit about that and maybe speak to someone who might be thinking, no, I need to live for everybody else. I need to live for family or I just need to go out and grind it out and make this money for this. Talk a little bit about that. Then I've got a couple of questions as we wrap up here just to help people move along and get some resources for them. Living for yourself is basically just speaking the language that you were born to speak. That's all it means. What are your strengths? What are your talents? What are your interests? What are your passions? Now lean into those as much as possible. Despite any pressures that you have from other people, despite anything that you think you need to do. Because when you are speaking the language that you were born to speak, you are communicating in the world 
in a way that it can understand you. And so lean in, if, if you are leaning into yourself, you're living for yourself. It doesn't mean that you're not helping other people. It doesn't mean that you're not giving in a way that's important to you, but it means that you're giving in a way that is going to be most effective. And that's what's important. I wear the tree of life. That's a symbol on my wrist. It's the only piece of jewelry that I wear. And sometimes I give out necklaces with the tree of life on them or bracelets. And the story I tell when I give it to people is to try to help awaken that, that understanding. It's imagine that we are all connected. And at any time you hold yourself back from doing something that is true to who you are as a person, you block the system. So those roots, those branches, that trunk, wherever you are, you make it impossible for someone to actually be connected to the rest of the world. And so if we can live for ourselves, we are actually allowing everyone else to do the same. And so be that person, be that role model, be that individual that understands what their values are, does that work, and then gives to the world in a way that is best suited for them. That's very good, man. And I, I love that. I've never heard that language. I really appreciate that greatly. If someone wants to move along, either get resources or if you've got like a next step or something like that, where, what should people do? What, what would be a good next step for someone if they've been really tweaked by the conversation that we've had here? So I got three steps for everybody. First off, go into your podcast app, wherever you are. And if you're in, if you have an iPhone, scroll all the way down and you're going to see a place to rate this show. Give it a, a rating that you think is most important, hopefully five stars and add a little comment. So spread the word. If you spread the word here, then you're spreading the word of this episode and the word of all the word of all the other guests. And even more so, you're adding, creating an impact in the world. The next two things I ask you to do is go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. At liveforyourselfconsulting.com, you'll have the opportunity to download your free manual to creating a career that is fulfilling and meaningful to you. And then once you get onto that list, you'll get links to everything else. But most importantly, the third thing I'd like you to do is go on LinkedIn and look up Dr. Benjamin Ritter and send me a connection request and just say that you heard me here. Let's start a conversation. I, I like when people take action. And I love what you did there. You gave them three things to take action. And I appreciate that very much. I highly recommend people take you up on that. And you've got some great resources over at your website. And I appreciate you sharing that. We'll make sure they're down in the notes. Ben, we are Seek, Go Create. Those three words describe our podcast. I'm going to let you pick one of those words over the other two. Maybe means more to you and why. Seek, Go, or Create. Which one do you choose? Seek. And why? Ooh, I need a reason as well. Okay, because I think in my life right now, I am in a seeking mindset. And I feel it in everything that I do. I'm seeking home. And I think I found it here. But I've been really focused on building my community, being really intentional with the relationships that I'm investing my time in. And I'm still in the process of finding those core individuals that I want to surround myself with. And that's currently where a lot of my time and attention is going. Excellent. Thank you for that. Dr. Benjamin Ritter, thank you for this conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. I love this type of conversation. I appreciate the depth and I appreciate hearing all about your journey. I highly recommend if you've listened in to take him up on those three steps he mentioned. Specifically, go to check out Live for Yourself 
A lot of great resources there. A lot of things you can check out. We have new episodes here every Monday at Seat Go Create. Until next time, he referenced this earlier. Until next time, what I like to say is be all that you were created to be. Mm-hmm.